Hello and welcome to the Decent IT Kingdom podcast. It's a little bit different today because we're not live on YouTube. Last minute scheduling, uh, it was an absolute nightmare. So we are pre-recording, um, but as you can see over to this side of me, I've got, who's just told me how to pronounce the name, Cheyenne Foster, who does Between Clean Sheets. So welcome to the show. Me, thank you for having me. <laughs> now, a little backstory as to why Cheyenne's on the show is she called me out on one of her YouTube videos, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, so it was actually, I feel like you were um, on the list of people that I wanted to support for um, kind of the soccer small business or, or people passionate about soccer that were doing their thing and doing it well. And I realized, I think, you'd had so many people on your podcast and I felt like it was a good excuse to have a conversation with you if we could get content out of it. So I called you out and then I was not available for like four months. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long time coming. Let's put it that way. Cause I've been literally, as soon as I saw that video, I was like, right, get on the DMs. We're going to make it happen because you were one, when I've been searching for DC United content back in the days before I started in the podcast, you were one kind of the one, the first people that came up so i've actually been following you for quite a long time and you do some fantastic stuff so on that give us a little bit of brief history about what you do and your between clean sheets channel that you've got going of course so i've been dc based since 2013 and i came here for work after i graduated from college I was a big American soccer or men's national team fan, but didn't really get into MLS until I got here. Okay. And I uh, still love soccer. I played in college and I was playing in pickup leagues and rec leagues all around, literally anywhere that they needed an extra girl who could play decently well, which I'm decent. <laughs> um, so I was meeting all of these uh, new friends and networking with people who loved soccer. And that was something that we bonded over. But the conversation was always about the World Cup and how U.S. was either doing or when they weren't making it, that was where the conversation was going or Premier League or European soccer. And I yeah. thought, well, what about the team that's right down the road? Do you guys go to those games? And I loved it because I went to a women's college and I didn't have like a football team, an American football team to follow. So the idea that I could have a team that felt very close to me and it all felt so tangible and the experience felt real. And it was so affordable, by the way, compared to every other sport here. Yes. I even remember I got my first season ticket in, I want to say it was 2014. I met with this young very kind sales rep who was like, okay, well, how do you want to split this payment up? Do you want to do it monthly? Do you want to pay um, ev like every six months? And I was like, can I just, can I pay it all now? And he goes, oh, sure. And I said, <laughs> I just, I think I was expecting for it to cost so much more. Um, all that to say, I think Audi is a little bit different, but I started creating videos because I was inviting groups of people to come to games with me. And it was so much easier to just do a quick, video saying, hey, these are the American soccer standouts that are coming from the opposing team. Here's the guy to watch on, for DC United. And this is what's at stake. This is where we are in the conference. And people appreciated it because they would go to, to RFK and now Audi and say, oh, okay, it makes sense. And it's easy when you had guys like Wayne Rooney or Zlatan who would show up because people knew who they were. But when you say, 
Wayne Rooney and Lucho Costa play really well together, that's something that would make the experience a lot more enjoyable. It's not just like Wayne Rooney running around by himself. I mean, it gets people to show up and actually appreciate yeah. what Lucho had to offer when he was on our team or when guys like Clint Dempsey were still playing and would come to RFK. I mean, I felt like I was doing everyone a favor and I honestly feel like I'm doing the MLS a little bit of a favor and <laughs> doing so much like promo for them and with all the travel that I do. But in the past year or two, I've formalized my process a little bit and I've tried to um, engage more, grow my channel a little bit more, my social media. I've picked up Instagram a lot more um, and I've really enjoyed it. It allows me to connect to people from all over. It allows me to explain to people who the like next Christian Pulisic is um, that's in an academy program or like I said uh, before we started, there are so many standouts from the MLS's back tournament yeah. that you get to watch now. You don't have to wait until the World Cup to watch or you don't have to wait until we've got World Cup qualifiers. So exactly. I'm trying my best. I think you're doing a much better job than I am, but um, I do have the advantage of being in DC. I will say that's the only thing maybe that I have on you. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. It's the time yeah. difference for me it can be a bit of a killer as we again we spoke about before recording um the impact game from the mls's back tournament mm -hmm. was a half 10 kickoff in the evening for you guys over there so for me it was a half past three in the morning kickoff and that just it stung a little bit because i had to go to bed at like eight o'clock in the evening which is it just doesn't happen get, <laughs> get my six hours sleep in and then wake up and then I didn't go to bed till the next like, 11 o'clock the next evening. So it was a long day. It yeah, was really it was long a long day. tournament for sure. I tried watching everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I do a range of things on my channel, but one of the, one of the more enjoyable things that I did during the tournament was like a, a I called it a bedtime chat. Um, it was a play yes. on clean sheet just cause I was like ready to go to bed already. <laughs> Um, but the rules were, I was answering a number of questions, but the rules that I gave for watching a game that late at night was whatever you do, do not go horizontal. The second that you go horizontal, your eyes will close. You will not catch the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, and I caught myself a few times. My, I have one roommate who would come out, uh, the next morning and I would be still like sleeping on the couch and she'd be like, Oh, were you watching major league soccer? And <laughs> I'd be like, Yes. <laughs> so, so uh, my yeah. my colleagues at work were just absolutely hysterical at me, just coming into work, and I'm like this, just zombied. So uh, dead. Yeah, so dead. I, I've been I've been up since two o'clock in the morning, yeah. and it is just it, it is a killer. And I, the coffee's coffee's a good thing. I don't drink coffee. What? How'd you get through the I day? Know. I know. I feel like. Coffee is such a slippery slope um, that I think I've been, I worked, I work in politics, which I consider an industry like a lot of others that almost runs on like coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> and now people vape, everyone vapes. Um, but I worked on campaigns for a while and you'd go out to these rural areas in America 
yeah. um, or small towns. And the only thing available were like chain restaurants as well. So it was like coffee to keep you going in the morning, yeah. uh, Applebee's to keep you going in the evening, alcohol to wash away your sorrows um, <laughs> and just <laughs> like ripping a vape when you <laughs> were in between calls. And I'm like proud to say I don't participate in any of it. Um, mostly because I just don't need, I don't need another thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm so bad. And I, not that I have an addictive personality. I just think I would probably get to the point where I wouldn't be able to run without it. So in my mind, I'm like, I can do herbal tea. And that was the other thing I said, if you're going to drink something, um, try like decaf because decaffeinated coffee technically still oh. has caffeine in it. Oh. Or like try i know, I know. <laughs> that, that, that's that's like a swear word to me Decaf. right and that's in my mind i'm like but you're you heathens it still technically has caffeine in it <laughs> which it's like are we on coffee now we're a soccer show how have we got on coffee you what <laughs> how do we how have we got onto coffee we're on a soccer show <laughs> what the heck um oh, but yeah no. coffee yeah, coffee got me through that day, definitely. But uh, good. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad it works yeah, for you. No judgment here. And but the good thing about the MLS's back tournament was the fact that there was a nine a.m. kickoff, which for me is two o'clock right. in the afternoon. So yeah. that game against Toronto, granted, it was rescheduled twice. That really annoyed me because I was due to do a yeah. pre-game show with the club for the game when it was scheduled on Sunday. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, so Toronto, thanks for that. And then that's what you get for being so proactive. If you don't do anything like me, you're totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> but you know what? Even though it was scheduled to the next day, I still managed to watch it. As thankfully my boss at work was quite, quite generous with the time. So I managed to get my lunch break at the right time, managed to, watch it the game on the uh, shop floor so i work in retail and oh, okay. during this time at, well that time when the tournament was on the lockdown was still a big thing so we were quiet we don't we didn't get that many people in the shop so yeah it was good yeah. so i managed to get to watch the whole game and then run around like a mad chicken when uh, fred <laughs> scored in that time yeah yeah it was oh, that was a good goal Oops, sorry. I feel like I just pressed. I've just pressed something on my. Um... I. You're still fine with me. You're good. Okay. We're, we're good. Um, Zoom. It's funny for all the uh, months we've been in quarantine and in the mm. middle of a pandemic. Now I actually don't use Zoom that much because it's not our preferred uh, meeting software for work. So yeah. um, I think this is probably my fourth Zoom call of oh. the year. It's not. I mean, to be fair. <laughs> It's the same in our place. We don't use Zoom. We use Microsoft Teams, and that is quite quite a nice right, bit of kit. Right. But you know, you've got to pay for that, and I'm just being cheap. You know, Zoom one on one, it's free, unlimited, which I can't argue with that. Um, I was going to say, so what? What all do you want to get into? I've got all evening. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's let's talk a bit about soccer then. Yes, so yes, yes, yes. We've had MLS's back, but we're MLS's back back now. We've got this stretch of six games, and our first game is against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And I spoke about it on last week's show um, with Sam, and 
trying to make a call about how the heck this game is going to go down, in my eyes, is incredibly difficult. Would you agree? Yeah. So I was looking over the schedule as I was talking to Steve yesterday. And what I realized most about the MLS's back tournament is that teams with good coaches did the best. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me for our first game against Cincinnati, they played as expected in their first game of the tournament, but they actually did pretty well um, until they played Portland in the knockout stage. So I get the sense that they will be a bigger deal than I would normally make them. Um, And I get the sense that a lot of the teams that we'll play in the next three weeks will be the same way. I mean, the Northeast is pretty stacked right now. Philadelphia has been consistent for the past couple of years. The Red Bulls are always um, performing uh, at a pretty top level. New York City, again, I wouldn't have paid as much attention to them had it not been for the tournament. But it's really on DC to decide whether or not they want to show up. But the one thing that Steve did say in our conversation yesterday was they've essentially had three preseasons this year. Yeah. So preseason for what was supposed to be the normal season, a preseason for the tournament, and then now they're in the middle of their, their third or toward the end, I guess, since it's Wednesday. Yeah. But I don't know. I jokingly asked if third time was the charm because I don't know what it's going to take. Um, yeah. I don't know how much more time they need for uh, our offense to click. And it's, it's just such a difficult environment with the protocol of having to fly in, fly out for games like the one we're playing at Cincinnati yeah. is difficult. Um, I know that there's a big weight placed on playing in front of a home crowd and there's not going to be a crowd. So it's, it's kind of like all of the, <laughs> I had an MLS's back tournament bracket yes. competition. Yep. And I cannot even begin to tell you, uh, granted there was a spectrum of, of fans that, that decided to participate. So there were a lot of people that thought Atlanta would do well, but had they really been paying attention, I think that they probably wouldn't have had Atlanta winning, which was fine. I'm like, I'm all for anyone participating. If it gets you involved and makes you watch, I'm so glad. But everyone was so wrong. (laughs) So it was, it was almost laughable. And I actually, I had Portland in the final because I was expecting a Portland Columbus rematch of the 2015 MLS cup. Okay. But I didn't have anyone else making it as far as they did. I didn't think Orlando would play well. And I thought Portland would do um, pretty well, but I thought Columbus would do better. I didn't think DC United would bomb out so quickly. I just, I don't know. I'm like, never bet on MLS. Don't ever put money down on this sport. Um, Just go in with the understanding that you are going to see something you don't expect and that your team might disappoint you from time to time. But if you just go in and appreciate soccer, like that's at this point for this phase of like the next three weeks, that's all I can say. Like I'm just ready for more soccer. (laughs) That's it. It's, it's nice to have it back. And if we can, you mentioned about the home, home advantage that 
usually mm-hmm. is the case when you've got the home fans. We look at the games over here in Europe and especially in the sort of the early rounds of the EPL being back, the away teams seem to do a lot better than the home teams. And that is generally just down to the fact that there was no crowd. There was no pressure. Uh, the referees weren't making as many rash decisions unless, True. unless you're Man United and you got all the penalties in the world. Hey, they got to be good at one thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little... St- just a little sidetrack, a little stat that came out and Man United have had more penalties this season than Chelsea have had in the last five years. Really? Yeah. Huh. That, I'm, that, I guess not surprised. Yeah, I think they had, after the Sevilla game, they've had 22 penalties this season. Which is wow. a lot. That was, I think, again, to go back to the MLS's back tournament, I was watching more games that went to penalties than I have in so long. Yeah. Um, so much more. Uh, well, I think the VAR uh, role kind of shifted a little bit. There were a couple of times where refs actually explained what was happening. But uh, one of the most exciting things was getting to hear teams yell at each other getting to hear strategy getting to hear coaches um but to your point actually you mentioned stats on man u i think an actual stat or data that proved that referees were being a little bit easier on away teams came out which is it's just so funny to see the role that crowd plays and yet i still think crowd noise doesn't matter if if the players don't even hear it is what I understand in some cases. So in my mind, I think what kind of fan, this isn't a rhetorical question. It's completely genuine. What kind of fan prefers noise? Is it someone who watches soccer on three different screens and is doing work and just wants the prompt of knowing that a goal is about to be scored? Is it somebody who, um, that like audio sensory is, is a value to them or their most, most significant way of, of feeling emotion. And they just like the feeling of hearing it. Is it, um, that they don't want silence? I don't know. But in my mind, I actually, I just bought new headphones and I realized you could do like a private pairing mode with my Roku. So I popped my headphones in and I was, <laughs> I was oh, wow. watching games like this, just I could hear everything that all of these guys were saying because ESPN still could not bleep things out fast enough. And I just loved it because you hear guys like Peter Vermees, Sporting Kansas City's coach, like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you're just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Or Ben Olsen even. I mean, he's he's a a smaller, um, kind of like more nimble guy, great for soccer. Um, coach kind of a more of a quiet presence or at least has always looked like one but when you finally get to hear him talk or hear that some of the things he says you're like okay I see the passion that people are talking about I understand um, why that there's a a significant trust placed in him because he really he almost talks to people as if he's like the captain of the team which I appreciate but I would have never known that if not for this tournament or exactly. um, ESPN deciding not to have crowd noise versus FS1. So, yeah, that, that's 
something that always got me because over here the broadcast was always with crowd noise it doesn't matter what channel it was on it was always mm-hmm. with the crowd noise for the the tournament and a couple of the games that weren't broadcast on tv so there was one of our games i'm thinking it was the was it the second game that we played middle match against new england and you could you could hear ben and there was some swear words he did say yeah. and <laughs> yeah. it was just like oh, oh okay he he knows how to get angry like, he's an adult he's an angry adult oh don't get on the wrong side of him um but it was it was great to hear because then i know against the toronto against toronto when i was watching it at work mm-hmm. you could hear bill hamid and it was like having another commentator on the pitch yeah it was but that's what i love hearing from goalkeepers and i think one thing i was thinking about while I was listening to Bill Hamid was, oh man, if Tim Howard was still playing for the Colorado Rapids, I mean, I can hear him. I could hear him when he played for them scream, even with crowd noise. So, or actual fans there. So in my mind, I thought, oof, I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure I'd be able to handle that. I think they would have had a full blown conversation from either end of the pitch, to be honest. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But that's, I think it's, um, as someone who grew up playing, yeah. I feel like that is such um, a meaningful experience as a fan to me. And as I've taken, to be existential here, as I've taken stock of all of the good and bad of the pandemic, um, the bad being I canceled, as it pertains to soccer, not my life in general, but yep. um I've canceled trips to Nashville, to LA, uh, to LA for the LAFC game, to LA for the All-Star game, to Orlando, and to Boston. I mean, um, I'm. by the way, I'm just like drowning in airline points, so that's why um, (laughs) those things are easy for me to schedule. But I was super bummed because I had so many plans for this year, so many new teams and new stadiums I was going to see, and... Um, but the one thing that I do put on the pro list is one things have slowed down and allowed me to, to really decide what I want to do with between clean sheets, but two, and as silly as it sounds, the tournament and the way that they're approaching play, um, allows me to see a side of soccer. I will, I don't think either of us will ever get to see, which is, seeing players in their homes doing um, Zoom workouts or talking about how they stay connected or having more time to talk to people like you and me on our respective um, platforms. And then also hearing them talk to each other on the field, which is just so in my mind, I think, how could you choose anything else? I just... I want to hear all the F words. I want to hear all of the like push, 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 or like cross, or I want to hear people complaining about getting fouled. And yeah. I want to hear the, the, like, I want to hear everything. I just, I want all of it. And I want more of it. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I'll miss when things go back to normal, to be honest. I think what they should do, and I know this is going to be a bit odd, but re- uh, mics on the refs. Yes. I think that, I think that would enhance the experience because over here in the uk uh, we have rugby union and 
all the refs are mic'd up so you can hear what the ref is saying to the uh, TV official. Um, you can hear what the players are saying to them. I mean, granted, rugby is a bit more of a polite sport, I want to say. <laughs> there, yeah. There's a lot more respect from the players to the officials. Right. So if you swear at the referee, you're going off. Really? Yeah, huh. it's that. That's how respected the officials are. Uh, you just literally, you just don't say anything. If you get a decision go against you, you hold your hands up and go okay, and then move right. on. It'd I be interesting like, to see how that would happen in football. I honestly think that that might bring a level of accountability on both sides. I yeah. mean, it's super easy to get away with cursing at a ref. Um, if they're not mic'd up. The other thing that I was just reminded of was, I can't remember at what point it was, but I'm, he's right, oh, reflection. He's right oh, back yep. here. I have a framed <laughs> photo of Kyle Beckerman behind me who kicked that Ooh. ball at the referee. He did. There, oh he was God. in uh, my pub quiz for one of the, one of the rounds. Oh, I think he's, yeah. was he the most booked or the most sent off? I'm trying to remember. In general, or of in, in I major think, league soccer history, I think he's what he's the among among the most. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, when I started, um, I'm in a fantasy league and have been for a number of years with a bunch of guys, guys that work in the league, that work for other soccer organizations. My brother, who doesn't work in soccer at all, but is the one that got me into like American Outlaws and Major League Soccer. Okay. Yeah, but they all. I love Kyle Beckerman and loved him when he played for the national team. And I think they all thought it was a crush. So they would say, Ooh, Cheyenne, are you going to pick him for your fantasy team? And I would say, no, why would I pick a guy that gets a yellow card every other game? He's going to lose me points. And they said, Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but actually, and I'll take this off the wall. Um, my brother for Christmas a few years ago, I can't remember where it was, but you can tell they're playing the German national team. Um, you can tell I have my ring light on. So my brother sent this picture to Real Salt Lake and asked if Kyle Beckerman would sign it. So it just says Cheyenne best wishes, Oh, his name and number, which I thought, I thought was pretty sweet. Um, yeah. I have a different opinion of him obviously now. And I think to go back to your, uh, our conversation about refs, I can definitely, and empathize with him. He is, I was a similar player to the kind that he is, mm -hmm. which is to say, um, kind of like a dirty chip when the refs aren't looking or a little bit like sly or maybe unprofessional at times, but just out of pure emotion. And I, I think one of the reasons why I like Chris Wondolowski so much, um, and if anyone watches my channel, pays any attention to me. I'm a huge Wando fan, big Chris Wondolowski apologist. Um, he gets so passionate, but it's so fun to see this, yeah. these extremes for him to get almost up in a ref's face and get really passionate, but never take it too far. And then the second that the conversation is over for him to be like, okay, like back yeah. to what I was doing. And that's, that's the way to go about it. Um, that's like, not the Kyle Beckerman way. I would not recommend anyone do what he did. But then I, again, I think, would players do that or would players be passively disrespectful 
if there was that kind of accountability. And I think the same for VAR. If the refs had to explain how they arrived at the decision they did, would they be more careful or would they be, um, would it be more efficient? Um, the question, the question remains, but yeah. the, the hope is that it would be right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what they'll do. I don't know what they'll do with that. So there's one thing I've got to praise the referees in major league soccer for that doesn't happen often. I think it's probably the only thing they're going to get praised for because write they make some. Write it down. Write it down. Yeah, this is history <laughs> in the making right now. Um, is the way they actually do VAR. Okay. Because for me, the fact that they regularly use the monitors. Mm, mm-hmm. Here, it never. I think it's probably happened twice. Really. In the Premier League, it's. I remember there was one, the first time it happened, it was, oh, what's his name? Young ref, um, really, uh, probably one of the top refs in the UK right now. And I can't remember his name, but he was the first person, he was the first person to use the monitor. And that was in a Crystal Palace Watford game. I still can't remember his name, but I can remember the match. Because you're like, wait a second, he's doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just, hang on, what? He's gone off to... And you literally, it, it, it's a double tape because it never yeah. happened throughout the entire season. And then he looks at it and he's like, okay, that was, that was the right decision. We'll carry on. And it's like, right. that's the right way of doing it. And I, that's what I love about MLS is how well they've got that down is the fact that they go over to the monitors regularly they'll double check it yeah they might not make the right decision but they've stuck to what (laughs) stuck to the guns in a way and you've got to give them praise for doing that because i wish that happened more over here and it would make it a little bit more enjoyable and the fans would then know what's happening correct correct i think um I really don't know where VAR originated from, to be honest. Uh, the first league that used, I think, was Major League Soccer as okay. well. And the Dutch League, if I remember rightly. So, oh. we, okay. so those two leagues, I think, were the trial leagues. And then, obviously, we've kept it going. And then it's kind of just taken off. I know... The one thing that does disappoint me about MLS is the lack of goal line technology. Oh, yes. And I think yes. we saw that a few times in the tournament. Yes. Um, and that's okay. So you've got two uh, schools of thought or, or occurrences here, I guess you could say, is one VAR, which brings uh, a very like data driven, technology focused, um, precision focused um or emphasis on precision behavior or uh practice where they want to make sure that if they're looking at an offsides call that they're getting it perfectly that no elbow or arm hair is out of place (sighs) right and then okay so that's whatever because that's offsides that's a foul that's something happening in the middle of the field in the corner of the field like whatever but a goal that's like the difference between for teams in Europe, 
promotion and relegation yeah. or anywhere playoff prospects the option for a trophy for a lot of these guys in major league soccer maybe a win bonus or um, a personal bonus for having scored a goal yeah. but they don't have that technology and they're like mm, I don't think that looks like a goal but it, then again I was about 20 yards away and I'm just I use VAR for other things so I'm like yeah. wait a second why don't we was- go full speed ahead with everything here yeah and I think the, the biggest one that sticks in my head from the lack of goal line technology was us against Portland Timbers. I think we were tied 1-1 and the goal line cameras, it couldn't have been more obvious of, of the line yet. Right. Somehow they still didn't give it and it was just bizarre. <laughs> and yeah. It's yeah. either a goal or it's not. And that's, I think, my initial frustration with VAR was I thought, why don't you just leave the game uh, up to the chance or the imperfect humanity of it and just let the refs do what they've always done? But to go back to what took me forever to elaborate was, if you're not going to do that, at least go full steam ahead with all of the technology you're using. So. I completely agree with you. Yeah. And I think that there's there's also a level of knowledge that comes with all of this for the fan. Um, when you have something like VAR, and it, even though sometimes my inclination is to be mad that it slows the game down, it still helps for people that are watching on TV get the explanation, the visual explanation as to why that call actually was made the way that it was. Um, for things like uh, stuff that happens in, in or near the box or um, when goalies come out and make what looks to be an aggressive tackle at first and then it c- kind of looks more self-preserving um, and more legal. And for a lot of people who love, love, love soccer but don't get into that super technical aspect, it kind of keeps them from creating a different narrative about the game in their head. Because, I mean, you've talked to so many people across uh, leagues and across the years that have said, Oh, we would have won that game if that foul hadn't happened or this hadn't happened. And you're explaining, you're like, wait, 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 wait. Technically that was a legal tackle or technically that was worth the red card that it got. And for VAR, it, it kind of brings for the fan that context. It's like, Oh, those are the actual rules. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. it brings a bit more transparency to the whole situation is I think it's for me that the best bit about VAR is as you rightly said it increases the fan knowledge of what the rules are and I think there was one particular thing that found out was if there's the goalkeeper and then a defender behind the goalkeeper it doesn't matter how many defenders are there you can be still offside even though there's two defenders there it was just like I never knew that. It was a bit of a strange one. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, um, again, even as someone who grew up playing, I sometimes find myself a bit surprised as to some of those things. Yeah. But I also, um, one of the joys of, of working a channel like this is bringing friends of mine, because I have two season tickets. So I bring a lot of friends of mine who maybe aren't as big a fans of soccer, but wouldn't definitely enjoy the game and what I make them do is watch my video before they go I'm like that's your prerequisite for this ticket 
Um, and I find myself explaining some pretty basic soccer rules to them while we're watching. And that I absolutely love. But yeah. again, to your point, sometimes I'll watch and something will happen like, oh, what just happened? And I'll say, I have no idea. But that guy over there is looking in a monitor. And when he's done looking at his monitor, I'll let you know because I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just crazy. I mean, there's VAR has been wonderful for some things, but then it's been shocking for some, but hey-ho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a it's got a few kinks to work out, I will say that. Yeah, nothing's perfect. And there's always room for improvement. But I want to talk a bit about MLS in general. Um, yes. I know we're, we're, this is a DC United podcast, but, you know, in general, um, we've had expansion teams coming left right and center it feels like um and i had i was on another podcast last night which is due to be released very soon but one of the questions was what can be done to improve mls and my first response was stop adding so many blooming teams <laughs> um i mean when your eyes are dollar signs like they are for john garber <laughs> it's really hard not to do that yeah. Um, and I was actually talking again to Steve about this yesterday, not so much the actual business side or, or growth of the league side, so much as I was just saying, why do we keep adding teams with the same boring names? Yeah. Um, but I do really find it so fascinating that soccer is the only sport growing the way that it is in America right now. Yeah. And I love that it gives us an opportunity for these um, new markets, new fans, new teams to play, but you're absolutely right. I'm not going to say it's growing faster than it should be. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's a way to do all of this right. I certainly don't think a pandemic helps um, with a lot of the, the growth that they had in mind or some of the business developments that they had for the league. But if I shove that away and take it out of my long-term thinking i think you have a point um there's everyone talks about these phases mls 1.0 2.0 3.0 i'm not sure what we're in now i kind of view it like the now this is what i call music cds we're on like the 78th one um oh. but i don't, i don't know do you know what those are yeah we got, no that's what we call music i think we're on like 140 <laughs> something now over here Oh, geez. Well, I honestly, I same I've, I've lost count. We think we're, we think we're at one spot and we're actually at another. Yeah. I mean, okay. What teams can I name right now that need some tender love and care that, that we could focus on instead of adding new teams, Houston, yep. um, Dallas has a great Academy program, but I think there's more to be invested there. Uh, who else? I mean, Real Salt Lake's got some uh, great facilities and I think that their academy program's building, but I feel like they could use a new stadium and a reinvigoration um, yeah. in their market. And I, I mean, DC United, I felt kind of bleak about them for a while, to be honest. And I still do think we have some, some stuff to go through, uh, yeah. but it's tough to watch again my family uh, lives in Georgia now and my brother and his wife are season ticket holders at Atlanta United. And I've been down there for a number of games and it's, it makes me uncomfortable to go from 
Mercedes-Benz Stadium with what feels like a world-class soccer experience. And then to go to places like, I mean, I went to a Red Bull game last year that was not terribly well attended. And yeah. um, the stadium was nice, but I felt like it just needed a refresh. Um, I feel that way about New England Revolution. Oh, like I, said, I feel that way about Houston, about Dallas. Um, I I just, I feel that way about Colorado. Went to my first Rapids game in Denver okay. last year. Yeah. And I just, I feel like maybe it's just the MLS fan in me that like, I, I want everyone to succeed. Yeah. Um, and I, but again, the, the capitalist in me is like, not everyone's going to, and that's, that's what they get. But it's just, if everyone's goal, and if in the back of Don Garber's mind is, or even in the front, is to grow soccer in America, why not do it all together? Yeah. Why, not, why not do everything you can to not let some of these teams sink? And I mean, the conversation between Columbus and, and Austin last year was essentially a hands-tied leadership uh, scenario where basically they were willing to let Columbus crew be relocated because they were almost saying, we don't have any control over what's happening. They're just not there. The fans aren't there. The money's not there. And I thought, okay, I am, I am all for tearing down an old stadium and rebuilding one as the NFL does MLB does, everyone does um, in America, every sport, but to kind of consider a loss before it's actually a loss um, and to decide something is just worth shutting down because one business owner has that opinion was a prospect that I just, I mean, maybe it's just the American in me. I love a good story of like, overcoming all to triumph over over evil but in my mind i thought how is this even a conversation um with with what's going on surely with the amount of money it takes to to gain entry into mls ownership or soccer ownership in general how is there not some multimillionaire out there willing to scoop this up and make money out of it um or find find a way for it to become profitable yeah. so but I'm not, I am not at all a, a business guru in, in all of this. I obviously come from the perspective of a fan. Yep. I think the only thing I do have a very strong opinion on is like public private partnerships for stadiums. I do definitely think that people can find uh, private funding for places. I don't think a city should bear the burden no. uh, of, a, of a stadium. Um, and that's about as political as I get with all of that with the understanding that at the end of the day it is about money but again it still just feels small potatoes to me so i don't think that it's we're not we're not at all the level um at the level that the nfl is or or a lot of other uh, sports leagues are in america so i think that we can take a step back um to your to your point yeah, there are a lot of teams popping up. I think we could take a step back yeah. and kind of reassess. And I honestly think that the pandemic is forcing that and I might be okay with that, by yeah. the way. Yeah, I think 
it's it's one of these things where I think we're working towards it. Is it a 34 team league at the moment? Oof. I mean, it, it's, I, I think, what was it? We've got, is it 26? I keep forgetting. Is it 26 or 28 teams currently? In the, we're in currently the at hmm, 26, I want to say. I'm going to have to we have a quick look. With, with uh, Charlotte and St. Louis being 27 and 28. I'm just going to have a look at the standings, see what we've got. So we've got no. uh, 26 teams in the league at the moment. Okay. Um, that's again it's it's hard to keep track because i was also just reading the change in the playoff schedule we're oh, going back to the, to the cup in december instead of pushing the cup forward to early november so oh it's there's just a lot going on james there's too much it's too the, much going on and yet nothing going on <laughs> the, the even bigger thing that i know i spoke about it last week was the fact that there's an increase in the amount of teams in the playoffs yeah i'm like can we not Why? can you just Take the top four teams from each conference. I, d- I don't want this to be drawn out. You're, you guys are losing money as is. Just keep losing money, you know? Yeah, just because the, uh, the initial was 16 teams and I was at 14 teams. Again. It was 14. <laughs> I know. Now, I'm sorry. <laughs> and now it's 18 teams in the 18. This year. from 14 to 18, which is, yeah, it's, eight or four extra teams. So two from each side. It just doesn't make any sense. At well, all. There is I think another most, 14. Right, right. The mo- and this is what I mentioned in the video I have coming out tomorrow. The most laughable thing of, of all of this is because of the border closure between uh, the US and Canada, <laughs> these Canadian teams are just <laughs> all playing each other and over and over and over again. And then I said, all of the Canadian teams, and I in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, by all of them, I mean, there are three. There are only three. Yeah. So, and the other thing we've got to here. consider as well is how many teams are playing at the Red Bull Arena this in this coming. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. So I think I think Toronto are playing there, and Impact, NYCFC, and the Red Bulls. And then on top of that, they've got goodness. their USL team, Red Bull Two. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I think it's absolutely hilarious that NYCFC still can't play at that. Well, they don't have a stadium yet, do they? Right. Well, here's the other thing, too. To go back to what we were saying, why rush a team in New York City if you can't get funding or get a plan approved for a stadium? Yes. Um, And the thing that makes me, uh, like, okay, if, if David Villa and Frank Lampard and Andre Pirlo were okay with it, I mean, I guess, who am I to say? Like, how dare we make them play on a baseball stadium? (laughs) But at the same time, I'm like, they played on a baseball stadium. Like, they played in a ballpark. What? They spent years, like the end of their career, playing at a ballpark. It's just just a laughable state. It's Right. And I think I remember, was it the 2018 season, when we were down, well, over there to play? And you can still see the outlines of the baseball pitch. And you're like, yeah. what? what? Why are we even there? And then to move from the Yankee Stadium to the City Field for their playoff games, that was, that was a joke. And then they've gone and played in the CONCACAF Champions League and then played at the Red Bull Arena <laughs> just to rub it in the faces. 
Yeah. Well, you're also forgetting in 2018 that DC United played a series of away games to start the season. Yes. And then remember they played at that. I've never actually been there because I, I was living in Kansas City at the time. But it, yes, it was at the Soccerplex. And Demarcus Beasley, who is still with Houston, went on that justified rant about how terrible the conditions were. And by conditions, I don't mean like muddy field or anything, but their locker room was essentially like a bathroom yeah. with two or three stalls. There were just kids running everywhere. It was it was almost like an AYSO morning tournament and they were hoping they might get orange slices at halftime. And it's just so, I mean, again, imagine DeMarcus Beasley, great soccer career, very yeah. long. Played, he's played um, in, in a ton of, competitions for the men's national over here in europe as well for rangers and yeah but then i imagine if if even he's complaining i i'm also thinking who 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 would we expect would wayne rooney play at the soccer plex um it is just (laughs) i don't that's so that there's that and then i'm also thinking what if Zlatan Ibrahimovic was still in MLS and we oh. asked him to play in the MLS's back tournament? Ooh. Oh, of course he could say no, kind of like Carlos Vela did, and, yeah. and I think they would understand. That would that would have happened. But can you even imagine the ask? Ooh. Like, hey, <laughs> hey Zlatan, I know you've got this massive ego, but can you come down to Orlando and play on a training field in an actual official tournament? And do you want to live in like a? a oh. Resort is a, is a broad term. Yeah. Orlando is a decent place, but not everything at Disney is created equal. So I just, and I've been to Disney World a number of times, if I could brag for a moment. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't wish an Orlando summer at oh, Disney God. World on anybody. Not so, yeah, and that's why I think. I'm th- I was talking to, again, talking to Steve Birnbaum and how he was, uh, he played at Berkeley and was, there are like world-class facilities there um, and had a great coach and, who is still coaching there, oddly enough, uh, with a really um, just kind of like high-tech, clean, crisp environment. And to go through that for four years and then to graduate and be drafted to a team that plays at RFK where, (laughs) I mean, I'm nobody special, but I remember doing my tour again when I first got my season ticket and them asking me if I wanted to like go pick out my seat or go see the facilities. And I thought, I think I'm good actually. (laughs) I think my high school's gym is nicer than this. Yeah. Um, which is okay. I love that. I love the glow up that MLS is going through, but I do think, yeah, we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, Grow what you've already got before. It's running before you can walk kind of thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, And again, I have friends who have worked in the industry. I've got friends who are doing uh, a lot of great work to promote uh, soccer culture and American soccer ahead of the 2026 World Cup, which will be here. And the conversation is a serious one. And I I appreciate that people are giving it um, 
it's it's time and, and devoting their energy to soccer. I think you and I are in that same boat is we can love the league. We will stay up for it. We will travel for it. We will spend all of our extra time thinking about it and producing content for it. And I mean, that silly Wayne Rooney video I did uh, around Easter time, <laughs> I was at my parents' house and my mom helped me film that. Aww. The entire time I'm sitting there thinking like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and I don't even right, though. This league, and I'm not even getting paid for this. And I'm trying to explain to my parents who Wayne Rooney is and why it was such a big deal and why it wasn't as sacrilegious as it sounded. Um, yeah. But like, we, we love it, but we're also the kind of people that can recognize where it fails or what yeah. it could be doing better. And that's why I think I consider myself a bridge to people on both sides, people who don't watch soccer at all, but when they do see it on TV or do go to a game as a social activity, actually find it enjoyable. Yeah. I give them information to enjoy um, with more context with which to enjoy the game. And then the hardcore diehard uh, soccer fan um, who I'm kind of bringing from European clubs or saying like, I know you like Barcelona, but I mean, if you want to see an eight, two loss, you can see that in MLS too. <laughs> yes. You look, you look at, so, what was it LFC, LA galaxy in the tournament? Yeah. I think yeah. theirs was like six, two, which is yeah. close enough. And at that right, point yeah. you're like, all the goals are the same, but, and I, I say this all the time. Alfonso Davies was the first, first guy at Audi field to score a goal. Um, for the yeah. opposing team and that was honestly the best game I could have imagined we had a, a great victory opened the stadium up yeah. um, the crowd was amazing and also I got to see Alfonso Davies play and I was hyped on him while he was at Vancouver because I thought um, MLS is another one of those places where you can literally go from a place or a club like Vancouver Whitecaps and succeed across the pond. And I, you could yeah. say the same for, for so many other guys that we have coming up through these academy programs and these young standouts, like Chris Mueller for, for Orlando City. Yep. Orlando's kind of been really mediocre for the past few years, but you get them a coach that's been in MLS for a really long while, you kind of like pump them with a new mentality and all of a sudden you have yourself guys that you would have never given a second glance at. And now the conversations during this transfer window are where in Europe are they landing? Which is really exciting because it's, it kind of creates that globalization where suddenly I'm paying attention to Bundesliga where I wasn't before. And then guys in guys in Europe are like, Oh hey, where did where did this guy come from? Where's Philadelphia? Or what, what's going on in America? Yep. So it's it's all it's all a good thing. Yeah. Let's, I'm just gonna dial it back a bit to obviously our game on Friday night. Yes. I'm gonna ask for it prediction wise. Okay. Now, bear in mind, obviously, since he traditionally well, last year they were just awful. They've got Yap Stam as the head coach who the club can't even identify who that guy is. That Me was, neither, was... but like, if he's cute, I mean, then is it's he... like, I'm good with it. He's, he's easy a on bold the Dutch guy. It's... <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they had a decent tournament. 
they managed to actually win a game and score some goals, but it's back to regular stuff. They've had the break. That obviously resets form and everything. Mm-hmm. Can we go to the Nippet Stadium and bring back three points? I think we can definitely bring back one. Yeah. So what I've noticed about Cincinnati was if you pretend like the game against Columbus never happened, they succeeded in surviving um, and they were able to hunker down and luckily not let much get past them. Again, excluding the Columbus game. I think that that's hard to do when you've got an offense constantly um, in the final third, but when have we constantly been in the final third this year? Yeah. Um, again, all the love, all the love to DC United. Exactly. But I, if we're not connecting there, then it's problematic. I really appreciate that we finally have um, Julian Gressel where I feel like he should be, yep. which is huge. And I think that the change in schedule, not playing so late, not playing in some place so humid, not being in um, a bubble or having such a, a weird environment, tournament environment that we did. I think that that will do a lot to kind of ease us uh, yeah. into, into it. And we have had this preseason where people have been able to go home and aren't kind of like mentally, physically trapped, which creates a kind of a mental trap. But if we're not providing anything on offense, um, then I think it, it's going to be really difficult for us. So uh, prediction-wise, yep. I think that we'll bring a, a point back. Okay. Um, I think if, if any scoring is going to happen, it'll be like a 1-1 one, one, or, hey, like fingers crossed, a 2-2 two, two game because that would Ooh. be like four goals. Four, four um, goals? Yeah. <laughs> hey, anything can happen. <laughs> don't, don't get ahead of yourself on that one. Um, I honestly think it's going to be one, one. Um, and again, I say this knowing you just can't, you can never, you can never predict what's going to happen in this league. And for that, I appreciate it. And I think early on, I used to do these game or match previews where I would predict something, but I got to the point where I was like, I predict a good game. Yes. Show up. (laughs) Cause I couldn't, I couldn't do anything else. And that's, it's like, again, I just don't, I don't even know, I don't even know what, what to expect or, or who will show up or what will happen. Um, but I do know that I think the next three weeks where we play, I don't think we mentioned who all they play, but yep. both New York teams, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, and Boston or New England, yep. all of those teams will give us a pretty good idea of who we are this year. Yes. I'll say that. Um, I think they are all pretty solid teams. We're not going from um, one extreme to the other. We don't have anything easy. I'll say that. Um, But we do have, we do have a a, a pretty um, solid schedule ahead of us. So. And you said, I don't know. Any game is easy, but yeah, in, in essence, the, none of those sides that you've mentioned that currently are playing at the top of their game. Right. Because they're all right. winnable games. Mm-hmm. So we could end up suddenly we get, if we get like a fluky win against Cincinnati, we're like, Oh, 
as a bit of confidence there. We then got right. to play against New England, who were playing at Audi Fields. We're back on our home turf. Then we've got like, right, we're in our familiar surroundings. We pick up another win. Then we play, I think it's Red Bulls, I think, after that. And then that's always a good game anyway, because we, we absolutely hate the Rebels. So there's always passion in that game. And we've got Felipe, so <laughs> played on both sides. Yeah. Yep. And who we will be uh, seeing very shortly because we've just had a nice little interview with him. So that's going to be awesome for you guys to listen to. Hey, um, but this run could, it could really enhance our season. Yes, we've had is it five points from five games so far so not the worst because we're not okay. la galaxy right now who were rock bottom along with nashville oh, actually, you know nashville are above them as well yeah oh really yeah oh, i think nashville have got two points galaxy and it's into miami who are sat at the bottom with zero points oh no poor miami yeah at least we're not like spending big bucks and losing i will say yeah, that exactly actually, so i think ben olsen said we'd be seeing a lot more of the younger guys. Yes. Who I think you've, you've interviewed all of them. Yeah, um, um, I haven't interviewed Moses yet. Oh, okay. So um, I had Griffin on last week, um, mm-hmm. who was brilliant. And the fortnight before that, I had Kevin on. So Yeah. Who was my favorite DC United player of the tournament, by the way. Definitely. I think that felt so good to watch. I mean, you see... Philadelphia and, and I was about to say Texas, but Philly and Dallas are those teams where you're like young kid, young kid, young kid doing it, like yeah. coming out of the Academy, crushing it. And I've, I've not seen other than Bill Hamid, I've not really seen um, a DC United player do that until this like crop of kids crop yeah. of like teenagers that are popping up over the past year or two and I actually really look forward to them getting more playing time which is what Ben said he he'd hoped to do since this was such a condensed schedule yeah um so that news came out earlier on today so a few hours before we start recording and you mentioned there obviously we've got this crop a trio of youngsters coming through right now but then you look at the our B team Loudoun United and you've got another crop of youngsters coming through there I think Saravia De Pietro, just to name a couple off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see that we've actually got something firm in place rather than just having this academy, but we've got an actual pathway into pro soccer and then to make it into the first team as well. Right. And I think when I first became a fan, I think I remember there were a lot of guys we were signing young guys not from an academy but that were coming from all over that would do one year six months a little bit here and there sitting on the bench and I remember thinking where did where do those guys even go where did they get traded to what's happening to them now and that what I like now is okay if Griffin goes up to the first team plays for a little bit if he doesn't play for the first team where does he go back to like just down the road at Loudoun United. So you still get to see them and they still kind of exist in this orbit, which makes me feel like there's a little bit more like a a wider net to cast from, which is good. Um, And I, I certainly, I know that it's not, uh, we're definitely not putting all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak. It's not like we're, we're heaping all of our, 
our expectations on them. But it, it just brings a lot more hope to know that if we're, even if we only get them for a couple years on the first team before they either crush it and go somewhere else, um, we still have kind of something fresh to try that doesn't require so much work from our, from our club to like, to make it happen, which is good. Um, and I don't know if we'll ever get another like Wayne Rooney type player, but honestly, I'm okay if we don't, um, because I'd rather play the long game and kind of develop the younger, younger American guys. Yeah. And as a good example of that Philly union right now, they don't have a big name player right at the moment. They've got, uh, Brendan, is it Brendan Aronson who's coming through? Who's kind of the star player right now who's tipped to go over to Europe. Yep. And they've got a bunch of other youngsters and they are they're strong. They're consistent. You can re- rely on them to be in and around at the top of the conference, season in, season out at the moment. And I would prefer to have that kind of model. Right. Growing up from the team that I spot over here in the UK, uh, Middlesbrough, I don't know why I just said that in that way. That's an American way of saying it. Middlesbrough. Um, oh, I was like, sounded right to me, but again, yeah, I'm yeah, <laughs> So, and that's kind of the reason why I support DC is because of Jaime Moreno and that he oh, used to play yeah. for us before he moved to DC. So that was my gateway into Major League Soccer. But from a borough perspective, we always relied on our academy. So the likes of you might have heard of players like Stuart Downing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was from the middle. He was from Borough. He came from our academy. We've had um, other youngsters. I don't, I'm not going to say him because he's in jail right now. That's probably a bad one. Um, <laughs> hey, just because you're not a good person doesn't mean you're not a good soccer player. <laughs> no, it's true. So, But I'm still not going to say him because that will be it's, it's the reason why he's in jail. He is a very, very bad person. Um huh. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you after. There's Lee Catamole, who was a strong player for one of our rival teams, unfortunately, but he was a very good player still. Mm-hmm. I've, I've gone a mind blank, but we've had loads of players come through our academy and we're known in the UK as being one of the best academies in the country. So if we can have yeah. that at DC, that will just remind me of home and it'll just make my enjoyment of the club even more special, I think. Well, I actually think this will have to be a conversation for another time, but the academy um, conversation is a fascinating one. Yeah. Having some, again, some friends that work worked for the Philadelphia Academy, and I even, my dentist in D.C., her son plays at the Philly Academy, and they have oh. uprooted their life to make it so that, geographically speaking, he is sanctioned for philly and not for virginia and there's a there's a big conversation or debate going on about discovery rights or the ability to um grow your academy in in ways that are currently restricted by geographical boundaries um but in spite of all of that philadelphia's academy is by and large you know the best all around in terms of academics, in terms of facilities, in terms of opportunities that they're giving for their players um, to, to live at the academy and to play at the academy. And, and I think um, 
it's so funny. The one friend I do have that was working at the Philly Academy for so long would have these conversations about like 12 and 13 year old um, boys playing in the Academy. He's like, he would drop these names and be like, you got to watch out for this person. You got to watch out for this person. And we're like, come on. Like, I'm not going to watch a 12 year old play soccer. I do. I don't care. Like we don't care about your kids, but honestly they reach 16, 17 years old. And, and all of a sudden the names um, that have been dropped in, in the MLS's back tournament, Brendan Aronson being one of them yep. was a guy that my buddy was pretty hyped on four or five years ago. So yep. I think that it's um, again, it's another way in which we're slowly transitioning to um, a more formalized and a more serious approach to soccer yep. and a more like with a more long-term perspective. But yeah, I do. Loudoun United actually plays, I want to say in like an hour and a half. Um, They're hosting the Pittsburgh yes. Riverhounds tonight. And I, again, I don't know. I don't know about, about uh, physically going to a game. I thought about it, but I, in my mind, I thought if I'm going to do loud and United for the first time, I just want it to be different. Um, Not under these circumstances, but I do wish them the best. And I like, I wish them the success that, that will allow them to kind of grow as the team that then grows players to DC United. So absolutely well let's let's wrap this bit up um because <laughs> you're like i'm looking I'm at the time so and i'm like <laughs> flipping heck we have gone on for, i know i'm uh, sorry this is gonna be a great show um yeah. so what we're gonna do is we will eventually segue into the felipe interview in a moment folks but uh cheyenne um let people know where they can find you i'm just gonna say this now subscribe to our channel because it is fantastic and some great content but your social media, where can people find you? Okay. I am on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at BTWN clean sheets. And I do most of my bigger um, and more substantial work on YouTube. If you search for between clean sheets, but my day to day, I'd probably say just because of the filters, they make me look better. I hang out on Instagram a lot. <laughs> um, and I, hey, I'm always down to make new friends. I think that's, we've, we've created a good community of, of people who create content for DC, um, yeah. which is why I appreciate James's friendship as far away from each other as we live. But I travel so much and I'm, I'm, I'm into pretty much any team that's willing to give me a, a good story and, and something that I would find enjoyable watching on the weekend. So just because you're not a DC United fan, if you're listening, doesn't mean yep. we can't uh, can't be pals. So, exactly. Um, so, on that note, let's segue into the uh, Felipe. So, we're going to get to know Felipe a little bit more. Um, he has given us some great answers. Wait until he find out who he thinks has the worst fashion sense, because that is absolutely entertaining. His answer on that. Um, but before we do go into that, we'll just have a little uh, message from our show sponsors, which is the guys that of it. That's MLS UK show. So see you in a bit. Do you know when um, you might get it where, I don't know, you're having your hair cut or you're in a taxi and, and you just don't want to talk. You yeah. can't be bothered. And then the person, the taxi driver or the barber or whoever you're talking to, go, have you got anything nice later? Are you doing anything? And you think, well, I could tell you, but then that would involve a conversation. Yeah, yeah. I was in that mood, really. So when he said, he went, oh, who's, who's this? <laughs> 
I thought, well, I could save it. Well, I'm, uh, I do an MLS podcast and they're playing Orlando and I want Portland to win. So instead I thought, well, what's, what's he going to hear the most? And I just said, oh, it's my mate and it's his stag do. <laughs> <laughs> See? So this guy in the middle of Manchester obviously doesn't know who this is. He doesn't watch MLS. But he thinks that this is my mate and it's, what, it's a bachelor party, isn't it, in America? Yeah, yeah. So he thinks that uh, I'm going on Diego Valeri's bachelor party. Who's married with kids, by the way. Yeah, just because I didn't want to get into a conversation. Hey, everyone. As you can see, I have got Felipe this side of me, there. And we are going to get to know him a little bit more. Um, he was on the show last year. So if you haven't tuned in, do check that episode out. That was one of our extra time specials. But today we're getting to know him a little bit more. He's been at the club for just over a year now. So it's about time we got to know him. So your first question, Felipe, if you're ready, is when were you born? First of all, let me introduce myself, Philippe Maris, on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm very glad to be, to be back and happy, and let's go. So, what year I'm born? I'm September 30th, 1990. It's nice to have someone of my generation after having Griffin Yao and Kevin on who've made me feel really old. Yes, so. make me feel the same thing when I see them every day. <laughs> <laughs> it, it worries me the fact that they're born in a different millennium that's just oh it makes me sick um so my next question for you is how long have you been a professional soccer player for since i'm 16 years old uh was my first game uh, as a professional in italy yeah and since then it's been almost uh 14 years that uh, i'm being professional that's a blooming good career. That's not many players get to last particularly that long, really. So, well done on that. So, back in Italy, yeah, I on. think the, the trick, the trick, the trick thing is it's hard to get there, but it's even harder to maintain in that yeah. level. So, I think that's about consistency, and that's what I try to do every single day. And then back in Italy, who was the team that you first represented? Padova, the Calcio Padova, uh, where Alex Lalas played. So that's the, the team. Yeah. I did not know that. There you go. Yeah, he played in Serie A. When the team was in Serie A, he played there. Oh, there we are. There's a little bit of information I did not know, and hopefully a lot of you listeners didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, so as previously mentioned, you have been at the DC United for pretty much bang on 12 months, give or take a couple of weeks. Um, yes. In these last 12 months, you've obviously settled in now. What has made the club special to you in these last 12 months? I think, you know, it's a club that, uh, as I said to you before we started, uh, as the times go by, I feel much more, you know, part of this club, part of uh, the way they, they, they are and everyone. I feel really uh, myself being here. You know, so that's uh, something really important for as a soccer player, as a professional. You need to feel good to play good. And every time I go to train, every time I go, I'm in the locker room, in the stadium, I feel that, you know, I feel comfortable. I feel like home. And that is something that, you know, not everywhere I've been, it's been like that. So that's uh, something special for me. And, you know, I hope I can stay here for a long time. Nice. 
So your squad number that you, you play, play with, did you choose your squad number? And if so, why did you choose that number? Number 18. So I wanted number eight. I always been number eight. Okay. But uh, Uli, Uli had it. Um, yep. I, I even tried to brought from him to buy from him this year, but it wasn't possible. <laughs> so I just, uh, I, I found 18. You know, it's uh, the closest I could get to the eight. <laughs> oh, why number eight then? <laughs> I think the number eight, you know, uh, you know, if you turn the number, it's uh, the infinite. So I think it's something that means uh, something special for me. You know, I always liked the number and I always felt good playing with the number eight. So the number 18 had the eight on it and uh, <laughs> I chose the 18. Anyway, if you turned it on its side, it's got a nice little underline to kind of emphasize the point. Exactly. So it's you highlight the you highlight the number eight. There you go. There we are. So kind of moving away from, a little bit from just a little bit of DC United stuff. Okay. If you could play alongside anyone, whether it's up from the past or from the present, who would that be and why? Uh, I think uh, I would like to play. Um, Oh, that's a good question because there's so many, so many players that you could have said, you know, like, but I think I'm going to go with um, Ronaldinho. Yeah. I think he, he just brings joy to, to the game. And every time he stepped on the field, he was happy to, to be on the field and, and do that. I think if I remember Roddy Griffin said that as well. Oh, he said the same thing? Yeah. I'm pretty okay, sure he said that, uh, Ronaldinho, last, last week. So I know he's okay. mentioned on the episode. But I'm pretty sure it was for that particular question. So there you go. Something in common there. Um, so in your entire career, you've obviously played, I think it's 254 times in Major League Soccer. Yeah. What's been the best game you've been a part of? Uh, the best game I've been a part of? I think... You know, the game against Houston, uh, I scored two goals uh, yeah. late in the game. We were losing 2-1, and I scored two goals, and we won 3-2. Um, I think that was a special moment, you know, uh, when you score a goal, you help your team to, to win. I think that's a great moment to to be part of. It's nice that it's a comeback win as well. That's always, yes, that always, always makes it feel a bit better, doesn't it? Yes, and obviously my... My first goal in Major League Soccer against Kansas City, I think, was a special moment as well for me. Yeah. So, you've obviously scored a few goals. What's been, yeah. the, what's been the best goal? Uh, the best goal is probably the Caesar against, uh, I think, was Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, and the second goal was uh, against Portland in Portland that is go on very far away. Yeah. I know you, you've seen, you like to do kind of a special goal. It's usually scissor kicks or long range efforts. <laughs> you don't seem to be there just doing the tap ins. You don't like the, no, I, the boring stuff. I, cho I chose the, the hard ones. That's why I need to be special. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, when you were growing up, what made you become 
or decide that you wanted to be a pro soccer player? Uh, I never thought about anything else. It was my only choice. <laughs> so when you have that, you go all in. Or you have it or you don't. So I never had the second choice because of that. The Because of this, you know. Yeah. Mm. I don't want to have a second choice. So that's why I went for it and I gave my everything every single day and I continue to give every single day. Yeah. I, I know you said earlier on, you started your career in Italy. How did you end yes. up over in Italy? I was playing, um, I was playing in Rio doing the state championship in yeah. Rio. Uh, I did really well and a lot of teams from Italy goes to this club to, to see players. Um, okay. And then one of the teams saw me, which was the Calcio Padre, and they brought me from that team. And at the age of 15, I landed in Italy with uh, five euros in my pocket. It was enough to buy a phone schedule. Wow. And didn't speak anything. <laughs> of, I couldn't order water, but it was really good with the hands. You know, Italians like to, to talk with the hands. So was the first thing I learned to do was this. And from there on, uh, I, I married an Italian woman and I speak only Italian at home. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. Um, so outside of soccer, what do you do? What kind of hobbies do you have? I like to play chess. I like to play tennis. Um, Steve, Julian, those guys got me into golf. So yeah. I'm trying to, to learn golf. But uh, yes, I like to play chess and, uh, and tennis. So the first time I did this segment, I had Julian on. And he mentioned that he is a pretty good golfer. He is amazing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, He's really good. How, how have you started with it then? Are you still just practicing away or have you kind of got I, we don't have a lot, we, we don't have a lot of time, but, mm. uh, you know, when I have some time, I, I would like to learn more and I'm pretty sure I want to, to not be just, uh, somebody who knows. I want to be, uh, you know, competitive in a way that when I play, I don't want to be the last guy. So. Yeah, I know a lot of um, when you were down in Florida, I saw there was quite a few photos of you guys spending some time out over on the uh, golf courses. Uh, I think you had Russell Canales, yeah. Fred as well. And it looked that like a really the, good time. Yeah, there was the championship. The Premier League w went in front. <laughs> you know, Steve, Sites, Julian, that was the championship uh, or League One or League Two. I don't know the way we can call that. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, in terms of other things outside of uh, soccer-wise, are you a, do you cook at all? If if so, what's your kind of go-to meal to cook? Uh, I can cook anything. Basically, I can cook anything. But uh, I I like to to do a lot of meat. I like to do a lot of vegetables on the grill. I like to to do pasta. But uh, when you have an Italian woman, you know you don't need to know how to cook because. <laughs> She's the number one in the house. Nice. But I heard that you've got a grill, so you've got kind of the dad thing down in terms of doing the grill thing. Yeah, I do the grill uh, yeah. as much as I can. You know, I, I use a lot my grill this, this summer. I still use it a lot. And, you know, the kids like 
everything I cook and they have no choice but to eat. So I think they love it. <laughs> of course. Oh, so what, what is your favorite meat then to cook? I'm going to delve a little the bit picaya. deeper. The picaya. I don't like, uh, like the fat on the, on the meat. So I choose the one that is very clean, yep. very, very soft. And, you know, you can enjoy that nice, well done meat. I don't like raw meat. Oh. So I like well done. Oh dear. Brazilian. Oh dear. Brazilian. Is that how you, how you have it down there, is it? Brazilian style. Ah, fair. You see, I'm, for me, it's all about the beef brisket. Long and slow. It's got, uh, that, that's how, that, so you can just pull the beef apart. You can then put it in a sandwich. You can put it on the side of the plate. Yeah, it's choice is a choice. You know, you yeah. everyone likes one way and another, and you gotta respect that. Absolutely. So, but I I like well done, but I can cook anytime for anyone that comes in the house. Accommodating, at least then. <laughs> even so, vegan food, it, even for vegan food, yeah, no problem. I mean, it, I mean it, vegan food can be as tasty as anything else. So I, my wife buys a lot of vegan stuff and I love it. So it's very good for, for the kids as well. Yep. And you know, just, you gotta have the right balance. And as long as you feel good, you can eat anything you want. Absolutely. Um, moving on to some kind of desert island things. So this is where you're stranded okay. on a desert island and you've only got one album music album i know and i said this to griffin last week albums don't really exist anymore it's this silly streaming stuff but if you could only have one album to listen to what would that be bob marley great shout straight off the bat bob marley can't argue with a bit That's of that it. and is that your favorite artist then is it bob marley no it's not but you know there is uh an album and a specific singer for every single type of vacation in an island you see in the, the nature. I don't think there's anything better than Bob Marley with a fire going on oh. and you're cooking and you're relaxing, you know? So I think it's perfect. Oh, absolutely. And what, obviously you're on this desert island, you've got your cooking going on. You're only allowed to have one food type. What's that going to be? Food uh pasta because i can bring a lot and gonna last me for for a long time again that's been said before <laughs> i think i get i think that was griffin who it's, said that it's easy to do it's easy to cook you just need water yeah. I, you, <laughs> know, you have yeah. salt water exactly you, you infinite water you've got exactly. yeah griffin said pasta last week and then julian mentioned that he would have fruit and again, fruit, fruit, but it, you you already have in the island probably. Yeah, it's the seed, so you can keep growing it. As coconut, well, so. coconut. Yeah, exactly, coconuts. So plenty of choice. So we've had fruit, and now we've had pasta twice on this segment. Yeah, I wouldn't bring fish because I am able to fish, so you know, I would have a plan of it. Exactly. So there's there's plenty plenty of sustenance on a desert island. Let's put it that way. So we kind of gone on a little bit there, but if there's one thing that fans don't know about you, what is that? And can you reveal it? 
I'm actually a nice guy. <laughs> I know that. You're a lovely guy. <laughs> I, I know you've you got know, a bit of a reputation on the field, though. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, no, jokes on the side. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like I'm a really family guy. I have two kids. Um, I actually am not as mad as I'm seeing. You know, I'm looking the field. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, I'm a pain in the ass in the field. But let's say that I have a really big heart and I love all my teammates, everyone that I play for and this club. I love this club and everyone around. And I appreciate every single fan that come to the field, even the ones that doesn't like me. I appreciate the support because without the haters and without the people that doesn't like you, you never get better. So I think you, you know, you just appreciate those people as well because make you better and make you think about things differently and make you do things better the next time. That is an absolute great positive spin to do on that on <laughs> side of things. That is absolutely awesome. Um, so that's kind of the end of the first section that we've got. We're going to move on to a few of the quick fire questions. So it's, it's basically, it's this or that. Um, Phase two. Yeah. So here we go. First question for the quick fire round. Ronaldo or Messi? Ronaldo. Oh, that's the first Ronaldo we've had. Beating the Red Bulls uh, or winning the MLS Cup? MLS Cup. Oh, that's a second. Winning, winning, winning against Red Bulls, it can happen any season, in any day. Winning MLS Cup doesn't happen every day. That's a, that's a good way of putting it because it's, it's all about the big picture, you yeah. know. Because you can win tomorrow and then lose the MLS Cup doesn't mean anything. But if you lose to them and you win the MLS Cup, I would take every single day, and I think every single player would take it every day. Uh, to be honest, I think every single fan would take that right now. <sighs> oh, uh, getting back to those MLS Cup winning days, if it meant we had to lose to the Red Bulls, I can't imagine any single fan would deny that but it's always about the big picture yeah absolutely so do you call the sport soccer or football depends where i am at Ooh. in america soccer you know <laughs> you know if you go to england you can't call it soccer you gotta say football exactly. so it depends where you at <laughs> a, weird, a little thing that i found out not so long ago the term soccer originated in england it is. So I don't know why we hate the term, but apparently we do. Um, Most of the things that you create, you, I, they actually, the ones we start to hate it, you know, because you, it gets old. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just bizarre, but there we go. We're, we're a weird bunch over here. <laughs> and next one, similar sort of vibe on this one. Um, do you call it a shutout or do you call it a clean sheet? Clean shit. Yep. I don't understand where shutout came from, but that's, I think that's a, an American term. <laughs> In terms of DC United's uh, commentators, Dave Johnson or Devin McTavish, which one of those do you prefer? Dave. Oh, Devin. He's had zero hits. Hat-trick for Dave. Bless him. That, those are the quick-fire questions over and done with. We have now, we're going to move on to Questions about your teammates. 
let's go. You've you've been mentioned already in this section. From uh, by who? Was it Julian or was it Griffin? I think it was Julian who said that I'm very serious. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. So you are the most serious in the dressing room. Would you would you agree with that? I think when I get to depends. You know, when uh, I'm on the field and training time, I'm very serious and very passionate and very pain in the ass, you know, because I think uh, uh, when you're on the field, when you're training, you got to do it like it's a game day. And that's what I try to do every day. And, you know, uh, but off the field and the locker room, I'm pretty open. And as I'm in the field, I talk a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> here's your first uh, teammate question. Who's got the worst taste in music? Uh, Iguain, Pipa Iguain. And Not that it's I don't like the music. It's because he has no balance, you know. Or because I had him as my, you know, the on the other room. Yep. And he was playing Frank Sinatra, and then he would go to reggaeton, and from reggaeton he would come back to Frank Sinatra and go to uh, rock. You know, that's not that I don't like, but he has no balance. You know what I mean? That's, okay. So he's got a, what we should say is a varied taste of music. He likes uh, a bit of everything yes. rather than just something in particular. Exactly. That's the only reason that, you know, okay. that doesn't mean I don't like the, because I love Frank Sinatra. I love yeah. rock and all of that, but he has no balance. That's the only reason, you know, I think music is about uh, taste and what you like something very personal yeah. why you identify yourself with and i just think that he has zero balance fair, fair <laughs> enough in the dressing room who's the biggest joker biggest joker i think uh sites and uh, steve really yeah oh they joke a lot okay that's never come up so far i think yeah. julian said it. Everyone gets on really well and everyone has a good, good laugh. And then Griffin said the young guys, so him, Kevin, Moses, Fisher. Yeah, they, they are, but, uh, you know, uh, because we hang out a lot uh, with Steve and, and, and Sykes, I think they, they had nice jokes and they're funny. Nice, nice. Okay, now this is a bit of a controversial subject. Okay. Who's got the worst taste in fashion? Oh, Eric Sorga. <laughs> I think he, he probably had mentioned, everyone mentioned him. <laughs> yeah, no, Julian mentioned Sorga. I, uh, I, I don't need any second to, to think about it. I was waiting for that question. <laughs> it has been said he's got a bit of a eccentric taste, I think it is. Yes, we could call that eccentric or... I don't know, anti-fashion. I don't know <laughs> what you... Again, it's, it's his, his type, but yep. he goes well with it. He goes well with it. You know, he's just very unique. Yes. That, that's a good word, unique. He's a very unique. Yes. We'll, we'll stick with that one for him. Um, and again, in the dressing room, who's the worst dancer? The worst dancer? Mm. 
I think uh, Pipa would win as well. You know, he. Yeah. I think he's kind of tight. You know, like tight. Is that back. because he's just old? I don't know. No, no, not because he's old. <laughs> I think he just don't ha doesn't have the rhythm. You yeah. Know? Okay, that that's been different so far for each one. So we've had um, Moses was mentioned. That's the one of the worst dancers. Griffin really uh, dropped him in that I, one. I wouldn't mention them because they're still young, so they still time to learn. You know, like it's it's been a while. They can't go out yet. You know, they are not twenty-one yet. So let's give them time. Yeah. Okay, we've obviously talked about this particular subject so far because you've been mentioned as the most serious. Obviously, apart from yourself, who would you say is the most serious? Whoa. So I'm up there as a serious guy, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> let's see. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think uh depends how you look at a serious guy, you know? Like the guy that is more quiet and, you know, like in their own, you know, um, Eddie Flores, I would think that he's a funny guy, yeah. but he usually is very quiet and very timid. So... Uh, okay. I wouldn't call it serious, but you know, I would call that he's uh, still adapting. You know, still shy a little bit. Yeah, I mean, but he's... I'm his roommate. I was his roommate for a, a while, yeah. and I know how funny he is. But when he's around everyone, he's more quiet. You know, oh. he, I think he he's shy. I don't know. Yeah. He's still new to the club, and this year is yeah. obviously throwing things way out. So even though he's yeah. he's technically been at the club what six eight months now, six eight and, months. Uh, while he's staying four months uh, in quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like well, he's not really been around the teammates too long yeah, to uh, really exactly. bring himself yeah. out. So, so uh, yeah. one player that was mentioned was Bill Hamid. Yeah, he's he's serious as well. I think you could call Bill as well serious, yeah. but uh, maybe he's more. You know, he he keeps things to himself. Maybe you know it's 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 difficult to 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 judge those type of um, you know things. And yeah, again, I can speak for myself that I'm serious about uh, you know the professionalism and when we are on the field. And yeah, I agree with you. I'm very serious about that. And in the last twelve months, I mean, we could even look back previously within previous locker rooms what's the most embarrassing thing to happen in the dressing room what is the most embarrassing thing to happen in the locker room mm. um i think you know nothing funny but when you make a mistake that cost your team a loss mm. i think that uh, make you feel you know terrible and when you walk into the locker room, you feel so bad, you know, that yeah. you want to make a hole and just get inside. <laughs> so, when, if and when that does happen, how do your teammates tend to react? Do they tend to try and bring the player who might have cost, cost the win or the draw? Or no, no, no. Nobody, they, they, they bring it. They, the first thing to, is everyone come to you and say that uh, it's with you. And, um, you know, like it, we, we win as a team and we lose as a team. Yeah. I think that can happen to any player at any time. 
at any club. So I yeah. think uh, we had we have a great teammates that is always by yourself. Awesome. Well, but doesn't change the fact that you feel terrible. Well, no, I mean if if that's happening, <laughs> you, it's gonna be it's human nature to yes. go down that road. But it's nice to know that you've got the teammates there who will be by your side and support you. That's always good. Always, always teammates and stuff is always by your side. Indeed. That was the last question out of the teammates. Um, and that is the last question overall from the getting to know you. This better be a good one. Oh, it's that you've come out with some absolute great answers there. <laughs> and I love, I love the way you just mentioned Eric Sorga. That was Eric fantastic. Sorga. <laughs> oh, I'm, the sparkly guy. He is He's very, very, very sparkly. sparkly. I've seen some of his Instagram yeah. pictures and they are. Mm-hmm. Very sparkly, very shiny. Yes, from yeah. to from the feet to the head. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, just a quick question about your time down in Orlando. Unfortunately, it was a, a brief spell. But what was that like uh, playing without any fans? Mm, I'm personally, when I get into the field, and I get in my own mood to the game. I forget about the fans. We, the only thing you can remember is that these fans watch, you know, at home and you yeah. got to represent the team the best way possible. But for me, and I can talk for a lot of, of my teammates as well, when you put this this on you and you get in the field, doesn't matter if you're playing a pickup game, you walk in the street, you're representing the club. So you got to think about that every single day yeah. and do the best you can do to represent this and everyone, every fan that uh, is on this club. And since they honor everyone, I think so. This is, uh, you know, period. Every time you put this jersey on, it doesn't matter where you are, you got to show up and you got to represent. No, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm going to call it an end there. Um, so I want to thank you, Felipe. Um, you can obviously catch, hopefully you're going to be starting in the next game on Friday evening against Cincinnati. Uh, I'm suspended. Oh, you're suspended? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh. I'm suspended for that first game. Yeah, but oh. I'll be back on Tuesday. Exactly. I'll be cheering for my teammates. I will be, you know, supporting them from 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 home. And yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure we, we are ready and we're going to go to Cincinnati, get three points, get back, train, 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 go again and win yep. again. And I think it's... New England, New England Revolution, you'll be back for then, isn't it? Yes, New England Revolution. And it's, we play in our stadium, obviously without fans, but I'm pretty sure. Hopefully, we get three points and we move forward. Indeed. Well, good luck. And uh, let's get the three points on Friday evening and then get the next three points and make it six for six. Thank you so much. You will sleep well tomorrow because you're going to be staying late to watch the game. Oh, absolutely. And, and hope to see you soon. Indeed. Thank you, Felipe. Right. It's time to end the show. So thank you to Balchayan and to Felipe for taking the time out of their days to come on to the show. I know the time zone difference is a bit manic, but, you know, we've made it work. If you're watching on YouTube, click that subscribe button and don't forget to hit the bell to get reminded of that when new episodes go live. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe and any other podcatcher but if you're especially on apple leave a little rating and a review please be five stars 
please. I've got fingers crossed. Um, also, leave a little um, actual proper review as well, because that would be great to see and hear your thoughts on the show. If you're on Twitter, follow me at DC United Kingdom. If you're on Facebook and Instagram, at DC United Kingdom FC. And, you know, if you want to become a DC United Kingdom member, you can do. Because uh, we have a group over on Twitter where we chat when the games are happening, when shows are coming on. You'll find out who's coming onto the show first before anyone else does. Head over to dcunitedkingdom.com forward slash membership and you can subscribe and become a member from there. So, I think that's everything. I hope it's everything. If I've forgotten anything, it'll be in the description and in the show notes, you know. Boom. Let's hope we get those three points against NC and we continue that kind of form going forward. I mean, as we predicted with Shine, we think it'll probably be a draw. I've got my fingers crossed for a win, though. Yeah. Until next time. Vamos United.